right, well, welcome back, everybody. I uh, hope that was a good time at connecting with one another uh, and being able to engage uh, in community because uh, that's what we're going to be uh, talking about today as we dive into um, our worship time, uh, our, our sermon time for our morning. We've been in the uh, midst of a mini-series uh, where we talk about our core values, and this is something that we revisit each year, uh, vision values. So talk about gospel, talk about mission, talk about community. Uh, and this week, we're going to be focusing in on community. So just a little bit about um, a reminder, a little recap of what we've done each week, um, just a reminder of Center Church's vision statement, which is spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ through word and deed among our church and beyond. And so a lot of what we're really going to be focused on here this morning is this notion of um, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, but really focusing on our community, our church community, and what does that call into community uh, look like uh, for us? So you've seen this image pop up um, each of these last few weeks that when we talk about Center Church core values, uh, that the gospel compels us into mission. So we're rooted in the gospel. The gospel is our uh, foundational value, and that compels us into mission, and then it creates community. And so that's what we're going to be focused on uh, here um, for this morning. Uh, we're primarily going to be in uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. Um, but one of the things that I want to do as we talk about community is I want us to hear these words uh, from Paul at the beginning of Romans in Romans chapter 1. Uh, I love the greetings of the letters um, within the New Testament, um, where the author greets, um, talks about praying for, talks in about his hope for not only what he's communicating, uh, but for the church as a whole, and oftentimes I think when we want to dive into a letter, we want to get into the what we articulate as like the good stuff, or the beliefs, or what is it that we're supposed to do, or who Jesus is, and we're really hungry to that. And so sometimes uh, when it comes to these letters um, that we find in the New Testament, we can kind of have like a Seinfeld interpretation to them. We can be like, oh, Paul, a servant of Jesus, yada, 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 let's get to the, the good stuff, let's get to the meat. And so I just want to hear as we're thinking about community, as we're thinking about what does it mean to be together, um, our posture within that, I want you to hear these words from um, the first chapter, um, verses 11 and 12. Paul writes, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. And I love this notion that he kicks off with this longing to be together, that he, as he, as he thinks about being able to come to hopefully be able to see these people someday, um, to think about even the dangers that that would be with the specific community he's talking about and the time that he is talking in, um, to think about just what that is even on his own sacrifice to be there, there's still this hunger, there's this longing to be with the people of God. Not just because Paul has something to say to them, um, which obviously he does, but I love this part here where it says that we may be mutually encouraged by each other. Not that just that you may be mutually encouraged by me, but that we may be mutually encouraged as a community in faith by the very presence of being together in our common faith. And so I just want to open up with that before we get into our verses for today for us to be able to hear that, um, for us to be able to have that in our back of our heads as we walk through our passage for this morning. And so, um, like I said, uh, Romans 12, 1 through 5, it's primarily where we're going to find ourselves. And so I'm going to read that, uh, and then we'll get into, um, get into the text. So Romans 12, 1 through 5. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 
do not be conformed to the to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by the testing you may discern what is the will of god what is good and acceptable and perfect for by the grace given to me i say to everyone among you not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that god has assigned for as one body we have many members but in but the members do not all have the same function so we though many are one body in christ and individually members of one another let's pray uh, lord we thank you for this text these words uh, for your word, um, I pray that um, what you have for us this morning would come through. Um, anything that's not would fall away uh, as we press into this text and press into our core value of community. In your name, amen. So I want to walk through these verses, um, these five verses this morning, and talk a little bit about what they have to say for us as we think about our core value of community. Uh, and though I want to walk through each of these verses, I do want to make a general comment about what we just read. Um, and this collective nature of what is being said here. Oftentimes, whether it's through song, whether it's through word, um, we hear a lot about the instruction of the Christian life through this very individual nature that you need to do this, or this was done for you, or you need to think about this, or this is something that needs to change in you. Um, and though there's a lot to that, one of the things that is very clear throughout, um, throughout scripture, throughout this text, is that there is this collective call to the Christian life. That as Paul kicks this off saying that I appeal to you therefore brothers and sisters, there isn't just this you, you individually, like, hey, um, like, hey, Todd, or hey, Greg, you gotta do this. Like Paul's not saying that, he's saying you, brothers and sisters, you as a community of faith, this is what you are called into. There's this collective nature that not only is present through these five verses, but is present through scripture as all, as we think about what this calling is, what Jesus has done for us, what then that transforms in us and calls us into. And if I may, if I may, if I may use my, um, my being born in the South here for a little bit, one thing that gets right is that notion of the y'all, right? There's this collective nature. And so throughout this sermon, if you allow me, I'm going to be speaking about this biblical y'all. Um, that there's this y'all that the scripture writers talk to. That's not just you, it's us. It's all of us, this y'all. And so I want y'all to have that in the back of your head, in the forehead of your head as we, as we go through this five verses, that this is not just individual instruction. This is written to and would be a spoken to a community that is brought in together in this work. And so as we dive in, Romans 12, 1, um, the first of these five verses that I read, I really want you to hear that by the mercies of God that Paul talks about here, that therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, and one of the many pieces I have found so consistent in the life of Center Church, um, as Center Church is preached through books of the Bible, as um, Center Church is preached through different things that we need to wrestle through with, there's this consistency in bringing us back to the gospel. There's this consistency of not offering a list of to-dos, but a consistency of saying what has been done um, for us. And so I love it that here we see this kickoff, we see the start of this conversation and this instruction about the Christian life, saying that it is being birthed out of the mercies of God. Appeal, therefore, to the mercies of God for everything that's going to come forward, for how we live together, how we are present together, how we contribute together. And so by the mercies of God, not ourselves, we present ourselves as living sacrifices, 
through that mercy, we position ourselves as living sacrifices as we participate in the community of faith and participate with one another. And so that's so key for a founding foundational piece as we as we dive um, into this text. And then Paul gets pretty blunt here, <laughs> uh, not only being able to um, appeal to the mercies of God to be a living sacrifice, and then straightforward right away, he says, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. Full stop. Full stop. Do not be conformed to this world. We as a community of faith, we as a community that comes together are not to be a social club. We're not to be a political affiliation. We are to be not, we are not called to conform to this world. Our gatherings, um, in a way that maybe is more resonant for me and maybe some of y'all, our gatherings, our church community should not perpetuate the politics of a high school lunchroom. That's not what, you know, we are called not to conform to this world. In all cases, full stops, do not conform to this world. Paul says here. And so one of the things I want to note on is that even when it's convenient, the call remains, do not conform to this world. And even, and I think this is really key for us, this has been key for us in multiple moments throughout the church's history. And I think we're in another moment where this is really key for us, even when we dress up the conform nature to make us believe we are furthering the gospel, the call is to not be conformed to this world. I'll say that one more time, that even when we feel like we're this oh like this is just for gospel advancement this is just for the gospel the call is still to not conform to this world and so i want to make a few comments about that that notion of dressing conformity as gospel advancement as it is something that i think we're in the midst of a reckoning with for a while and just before anyone starts thinking or making assumptions i'm not saying we're just in the reckoning the last few weeks or even the last few years i think we as a church and our nation have been in a reckoning with this for a long time of dressing up gospel advancement as conformity to the world. And to be honest, it is taking a toll on our leaders and in our communities and our witness. So we, as a people of faith, have a history of making trade-offs with the world to get a variety of platforms pushed through until eventually we can't do that anymore. There's a couple things that happen. A societal shift might happen that doesn't value those same things, uh, a societal shift might happen that just thinks differently about those things. Um, or, you know, there's another option that the platform that we're pushing through gets corrupted with so much power that it's not even actually about the platform anymore. And then the trade-off of that is that what happens then is those who have made that trade-off for power, who those who have, um, when we as Christians um, make that trade-off and then those shifts happen, uh, even though that trade for power has been made, uh, we end up having a pattern of wanting to wave that banner of persecution. Uh, we want to wave that, um, oh no, we're just, you know, we're just not conforming to the world. We're just not conforming to the world. But unfortunately, when that gets waved, it's not as a way to be faithful to this very real calling to not conform to the world, but in a way to save face and to protect the worldview that has been created. Where here in Romans, we see this full stop call that we as Christians are not to be conformed to this world. It's very clear that he does not tell us to not participate in the world. He does not tell us to not be present in the world. We absolutely should participate and we absolutely should be present, but a community of Christians that is called together, we are called to embody a countercultural presence that's rooted not in the ways of this world, 
but in the transforming work of God to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, by the testing, by this testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. As we continue on here, we, we get this reminder. So we get this again, this, this really heavy full stop, do not conform to this world. And then Paul again reminds us here that for by the grace given to me, again, we get this reminder that these words of instructions are being birthed out of the grace given, not out of ourselves, not out of our own strength, not out of our own ego, but by the grace given to us. This is what we are called into, that this grace compels us. And there's so much that I could pull out just of this verse. And so as we're just doing this survey of what these verses have to say for his community, I just want to keep picking out a couple of phrases here and there that, that really stick out um, as you read through these, um, these five verses. And one of those here is that notion of thinking with sober judgment, that we as a people together are not only just to not, to not just for ourselves, but for the sake of our community, to think with sober judgment, humble, not prideful. There's this invitation here that as we are community together, there's this invitation to humility, to think with sober judgment. We are not to be carried away from wave to wave of being boastful with angst. And I really wanna, I really wanna hit this one really hard right now, or with conspiracy. We are not to be carried away from wave to wave of being boastful, boastful with angst or with conspiracy. Out of all the things Paul could talk about, he talks about how essential, how we carry ourselves, our posture, our integrity, our humility, how essential that is to the collective Christian life, to the communal Christian life. And don't forget, you might be hearing a lot of these yous here. Do you not think so highly of yourself? Use sober, sober judgment. But remember that this is a collective Christian life, that this is a y'all, that y'all Y'all, y'all, y'all as a community are called into this. He continues on that for we as one body, we have many members. We have many members. Though we have many members, we are not clones of one another. Sometimes I think we really wish we were just clones of one another. <laughs> our clones of one another's worldviews, our clones of one another's likes or dislikes. But we as a collective community that called, there are many members. We are not clones of one another. We are a diverse body. We have different experiences. We have different formations. We have um, different cultures. We have different ways that God has created us and wired us. And that all gets brought into the church community together. And so we have many members. And though we have many members, we are not clones of one another. We are a diverse body. And yet, we are one body in Christ. I mean, I'm bad at basic math, but that like even just like, whoa, what? <laughs> like, how does that, how do you even figure out that equation, right? Like, we are a diverse body. We have many members. We are brought together in this collective faith. That sounds crazy, but yet we're also then one member, one part of one body in Christ. In the vastness and the depths of this many members, we are one body in Christ. But this is not where the connection ends. It's not just that we are one body in Christ, but through being one body in Christ, we are individually connected to one another, individually members of one another. We are interconnected. 
We are committed to one another through our faith. Just let that sink in and think about that for a moment. I don't, I like, there isn't like, there isn't a class roster. There isn't like, uh, there isn't a, who has signed up for this before you get to go, before you go and be part of a church community. It's not all your best friends. It's not even all the people that you would want to hang out with necessarily. Yet that common faith brings us into a common house of worship together that we are rooted in. We are interconnected. We are committed to one another through our faith, not just committed to Christ, but through that commitment to Christ, we are part of his body and therefore connected to one another. Just, it's mind-blowing. And on the one end, that's beautiful, right? Oh my gosh, that interconnectedness, that connectivity, that's so beautiful. But it's also incredibly, incredibly messy. It's incredibly messy. And we are in one of those especially messy stretches of what it means to be interconnected by our faith in the midst of so much division. And it's why Paul's words here are so important to us about how do we posture ourselves? How do we present ourselves in the collective Christian community to one another? And so two stories I want to share as we think about these, uh, these five verses uh, that we are hearing in Romans as we, as, we, as we reflect a little bit out on that text and as we then think about our core value of community. Uh, two stories I want to share. One is about um, castles and their really, really scary dungeons. Um, and it makes sense in a little bit, hopefully. When I was a kid, my cousin, um, all my cousins are 15 to 20 years older than me. Um, and so I didn't really have a lot of a lot of interactions with my cousins as a kid. Um, and so when I was a little kid, they were all getting married and starting families and uh, doing a variety of different things. And my cousin, Julia, uh, met this guy from Germany at art school and then went to Germany and then had a family and never moved back um, with, within that. And so when she got married, uh, married, we were all invited to go to the wedding. Um, I come from a family of, of uh, like single parents and school teachers uh, and things like that. And so that wasn't really something that we could just easily do. And so all the family decided that we were going to make this work. Uh, and we were going to then just since this will probably never happen again, we're going to just make a big deal out of it. And so we were there for several weeks uh, and got to see a bunch of cool things. And one of the things that we got to see were a lot of castles because uh, I thought the castles were really cool. Uh, and so they sent you down to the dungeons and the dungeons were really, really scary because they had all these really weird contraptions um, and all these things that like, how do you even think of wanting to do that to another person? Um, and you can tell that I was a very like empathetic and like pacifist kid already. It was very, it was very scarring for me um, within that. But they had this contraption where they would put a body in there and strap it to that and they would pull apart from each appendage, right? And that's terrifying. That was horrifying to me as a kid. Sometimes you hear things and you can feel them, right? Like I have a history of kidney stones. And if you ever had kidney stones and I say that, your body's probably gonna be like, oh, that's just not, not fun, right? That's how I reacted to this contraption. I thought it was the most terrifying thing in the world. Like I was like, what do you mean you get trapped in there and your body gets pulled apart? Though they know it's part of one body. And as I was reading this text and as I was thinking about community and as I'm watching my students lead through so many trying contacts, and I'm hearing from so many of the pastors that we work with, and I'm talking to so many people who make up the membership of the body of Christ, it feels like we're in a season that we're doing that to the body of Christ. That we're strapping the body in one of these contraptions and we're just pulling it apart at its appendages. 
And so as I was reading through this text, I was thinking about community. For some reason, that contraption just kept coming to mind that that's just not going to work. <laughs> that's not going to work. You put a body in that contraption, it's not going to work, right? You're going to pull it apart and it's not going to work. And so I think that's something that we need to reflect about, about even as we think back to this Romans 12 passage, as we think about the way that we are to posture to be able to present ourselves with humility, with sober judgment, as a living sacrifice, those are things that don't pull apart. Those are things that give of self, that give of self to the community. And it's hard to watch, and it's hard to watch break down people, and it's hard to watch, especially to break down pastors. And so I want to offer you that story to think about as we think about community, as we think about, okay, how are we posturing ourselves, um, not only towards one another, but for one another, obviously all rooted in that one body in Christ. And so I said I was going to tell two stories, and there's a specific reason for that, is that story, while true, we should not be tearing apart the body of Christ. We should not be um, unneedingly dividing us within that. Um, well, recognizing that's all true, we're recognizing we're not called to be destroying ourselves within our body, and not to mention the way that that body, when it destroys itself, then is a witness to the world. <laughs> um, those are things we should not be taking part in. So that's true. That's all true. But too often, what happens is calls for accountability within the church, within the witness of the church, are pointing out areas that need attention, are seen as divisive, instead of faithful engagement and challenging this commitment to community. As we talked about earlier, we have a diverse body. We make up a diverse body, yet we're one in Christ. We're going to have different experiences. We're going to have different formations. We're going to have different trauma. We're going to have different um, cultural norms that are going to impact the beautifulness and the messiness of that community. But we get comfortable. We get comfortable in our norms. We get comfortable, not only is this the way we do things, but if we do it enough, this is the way God does things, especially how that manifests itself in a church community. This is the way that we worship. This is just church. This is just church, but this is this is the way that we worship because it's the right way. Um, this is the way that we, you know, our cultural norms, my cultural norms, as um, it's just as, as a white guy that grew up in that culture, and being having that then um, manifested through church experience as well, it makes it really easy to think that oh, this is just what church is. This is how you do church. Um, and as many of my classmates from Luther can tell you, that's just not not true, not the case. That's <laughs> that's not how um, we we do this back home. That's not how we um, how we do that. There's multiple ways. There's multiple things. Um, there's also norms that create problems. There's norms that exclude others um, because you don't. If you don't have to think about it, you're like, oh, this is just normal, and you realize that oh, this actually is very exclusionary, um, or this perpetuates a very um, deep problem that you have to present yourself. You have to dress this way. You have to speak this way. You have to do this way. You have to do your faith, express your faith in this way. And so these things then that become those norms, when they get called out to account, that can be really discomforted to us. When the way our faith then gets married to our country's origins, or whether the way our faith gets married to a specific way of cultural being, when that gets called out, it sometimes can be difficult to not actually see what's being called out. It's rightfully being called out, but we can see it as our faith being called out. And then that can, that can create defensiveness. That can create disunity. 
But the point of those critiques, the point of those awarenesses, the point of those conversations is not divisiveness. It's being a diverse body of Christ. It's recognizing that all these members are one body in Christ. And so story two, where I'm going to throw myself under the bus a little bit. I really hate exercising. I just do not like it. I really like sweet tea from Chick-fil-A. I really miss Mr. Eric Krebs, who used to give me gallons of sweet tea for free um, before he had to move back to Wisconsin. Um, but it's all right. He's still a brother in Christ. But it's not good for me. Like, it's not, it's not healthy for me. Uh, and so um, this past summer, I got in a really good routine and a really good rhythm of eating better. I'm doing some more exercise. I'm not a very athletic individual. Um, I like to read books, and I like to, like, think about things. <laughs> um, and it was great. And then it wasn't, and, to, and it stopped. And here's the deal. Like, when you stop, like, being intentional about something, when you stop working on something, did you know that, like, things change again? <laughs> it's really frustrating. You should feel like, I hit this milestone, and it should just all stay, but it doesn't. And that's frustrating. Um, and so it's been an experience, again, of trying to get back in the frame of things. And what that does is that allows me then to recognize things that I haven't prioritized in myself. There's things in my body that I have not prioritized that are going to respond differently to me now trying to prioritize them. Um, there's things in focusing on other areas that I'm ignoring. I could really change my eating habits. I could really, you know, I could start going on walks or I could do a lot of other things like that. But I also could completely ignore my dental hygiene, right? And then I have a whole completely different set of problems um, because I ignored that set um, of something that my body needs within that. And I feel like that 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 is a lot of what we're wrestling with right now in some ways in the church is we're like, you know, we're, we're, we're calling for unity. We're calling for unity. We're calling for unity. But we're not recognizing what are the things that actually need to be tended to to accomplish that unity. What is the thing that by the mercies of God and the grace that compels us, that we actually get to have these hard conversations. We get to have these challenging conversations, not in a way to divide us, but in a way to recognize that, whoa, we are more than just our own personal experience of this world. <laughs> and so what parts of the body have we valued? What parts of the body have we normalized to the detriment of others? What are things that we need to pray through as our church? Um, our church is center church. Um, our church is the large church. What are things that we have given the intention and effort to the sacrifice of others, to the point of detriment to other members of the body of Christ? What are things that we have normalized that might be comfortable for us, that might be cultural for us, but actually aren't anything divinely inherent? <laughs> And let's be honest, we're in a season we're being called to examine that. And this work is so important. Like I figured out the other day when I was going to try to start working out again, this work is so important because if you wait until, until if you keep waiting, you keep waiting, it just gets harder and harder. It can be pushed through, but it's not going to be as comfortable. That, that break, that gap that I took for several months <laughs> of being like, ah, I'm fine now. It's okay. Like, you know, Chick-fil-A is open. When Chick-fil-A is being all holy, Raising Cane's is open on Sunday. I got sweet tea. I can do this. Right? Like that, that changed now where I'm at right now. All right? And I want to be a little careful of that because I don't want to put this all on us. 
because it is a transforming work of God. It is the grace that compels us. It's the mercies that we lean on to be able to do this work. But out of that transforming work, we are a community that is committed together, that are foreign with one another, not just foreign with those that look like us, not just foreign with those that have every, um, every specific spectrum checked off on an exact belief system as us. But we are called to do that work in community. And so this is why Paul's words are so important for us to heed on how we are to present ourselves and where we find the strength for a posture to live as a community. Because you don't get to choose who comes. <laughs> the table is open. Man, we got to wrestle through that. We got to wrestle through that. Whether Have we created a community where it's not necessarily a direct choice, but that we have chosen who comes? <laughs> because of those norms, because of those um, things that we want to be around. And I'm preaching to you just as much as just as much as myself here, right? Um, it's hard conversations. They're hard work, but it's a work that this community calls us into and why Paul's words are so important about how we are to posture ourselves, to be able to handle these hard and difficult and critiquing and challenging conversations. And so um, as we get to the end, near the end of our time, I want to I want to provide a couple reflections here just on community. Um, and on things that I hope that that text and those stories were able to um, to parse out a little bit uh, for us. Um, I want to read this quote by uh, theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who is a theologian that is either overused, underused, misused, um, used appropriately. Um, it, um, and so I recognize that, you know, you've probably heard comments from him in a variety of different places, but in um, one of his... Uh, one of his um, most important works on community, on, on life together, uh, he shares this reflection. He says, the person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. But the person who loves those around them will create community. The person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. But the person who loves those around them will create community. Being able to be part of a church community is not about checking off all the boxes of your personal preference. It's just not. Like being part of a church community is going to be sacrificial. Being part of a community is going to call you to think of sober judgment when you think, how can someone think this? What do you mean? Go and talk to them. I had an amazing experience um, a couple, uh, maybe two or three summers ago. I can't remember now. Um, I went to a demonstration at a church. Uh, and I had some friends from back home that had a lot of different feelings about that. <laughs> and there was a great individual um, from Center Church who just sent me a message and said, hey, uh, can we get breakfast and talk about this? Um, just to be able to share like where, you know, I think I hear you coming from, where you're coming from. Uh, and not only is like, they're always a great excuse to eat at Keys for breakfast, um, right? But there's also like, that is what community is. It's not been all of a sudden creating this gigantic norm of assumptions. Oh, they said that one thing. Oh, they did that one thing. Therefore, now I'm going to ascribe 30 other things to them. Have that conversation. Reach out. Be able to come away, not necessarily, maybe not always of a change of opinion, but a change in posture um, and a change in a deeper understanding of how they hold one another, um, how they hold each other's views within that um, is a great gift. It's going to be sacrificial. And, and, and last thing, as I hear this quote, 
a lot of people have heard this story. This is, this is no secret. But as we think about community, as we think about the self-sacrifice that is community, I want to just add one caveat in there um, before I say this next part. There are holy and good reasons to leave community. There are communities that have been manipulative and abusive and have used this call for unity and have used this call for sacrifice to cover up those abuses and manipulation. And so you're never going to be called to a community. You're never going to be called to sacrifice in a way that conflicts with the gospel. And so I want to, I want to make sure that that's there um, because of the work that I do academically and the work that I do pastorally, that's a lot of my work. <laughs> um, so I want to make sure very clear you don't hear me saying this, but in closing here, honestly, when we started coming to Center Church, I didn't want to come. I did not want to come to Center Church. And it had nothing to do with Center Church, it had nothing to do with Kevin. It had nothing to do with actually getting to know any of y'all yet. It had to do just with my own experiences and feelings within a specific tradition, um, which some valid, some invalid, that needs to be worked through. But Heather and I were like, okay, we need to find a church in our community. We felt very strongly about that. Um, there's a variety of different perspectives on that, and that's great. But for us personally, so I'm just talking about a personal conviction for us, and just needed to show up and just kept showing up. Is it easy every day? No, <laughs> it's not. Um, are there challenges? But man, the grace and the compassion that I and we have received when said, hey, I don't know how I feel about this, or can you help me think through this? The openness to that, to actually reach out, to have those conversations, to think through differences, to think through understandings, to not just say, okay, now I need to go find another community that checks every box that I want. And that, that's hard work. That's sacrificial work. And that's gracious work. And I'm not trying to say like, oh, look at me, I went and did this because I wouldn't have been able to do it if it wasn't for the grace that was then handed on and received. The way that then that grace and that love and that commitment and that sacrifice from others then met us, then allowed me to soften. Made me allow to realize like, okay, no, yeah, this is sacrificial. This is hard. This is difficult but you're still my brother in Christ. You're still my sister in Christ. Let's actually work through that and then see where we're at and see where the conversation goes and see how God continues God's transforming work. And it's all the more important. And so in close, a couple things. It's all the more important work, especially in this online world we're living in right now. The online world has already impacted church life and community life in good ways and bad ways. I've seen things happen because people were able to connect online that only could have happened because of connecting online. So there's great gifts to that. But now that we're in a place where we're not even really seeing people, that we're getting embedded thoughts and ideas just from every social media storm, every news storm, and we don't actually have to show up anywhere, and we can even more dictate our levels of engagement, I really want you to hear these words from Paul today that we look through in Romans, that we are called to show up. We are called to be sacrificial in another. We are called to think of sober judgment. And that accountability and that showing up to a community of people that you might not have necessarily initially chose to show up, that you might not necessarily be all on the same page with, pushes us and challenges us, and then even brings us further and deeper back into the gospel, because it is by that mercy, it is by God's mercy, that we are able to do that work. So a, little, uh, a couple pieces of gospel application for us as we close. Remind and be reminded of God's mercies. 
remind others of God's mercies. They need it. I need it. Not only remind yourself of God's mercies, but let yourself be reminded of God's mercies. I know we don't get to see each other on a weekly basis in person, but those you are connecting with, um, even taking like a, an awkward, like, hey, we actually didn't get to connect that much before the close and reaching out to someone to just remind them of God's mercy. Because I don't know about y'all, there's so much bombardment that I'm getting on so many different fronts that it's just like, and that I'm going to just start working out of my angst and not working out of this. And so to be able to be reminded of those mercies is so key and to remind one another. And then finally, to remind ourselves that we are one body in Christ, not in a way to deflect hard conversations, but to remember that the person that you're talking to, that the person that you're interacting with, the person that you're praying for, that we are one body in Christ that community and that body and that body then takes us <laughs> showing up for and with one another in community to commit even when we don't want to. I was just thinking recently about like, I'm on Zoom all the time for work, all the time for work. It, it drives me crazy. And so there was a couple of like fun things that people were doing on Zoom. And I just realized like for church and I'm like, I don't want to do this. And I talked to someone else who was like, I'm never on Zoom. And this is like, I look forward to this. And it was like such a stab in me to remind myself of like, oh, this isn't about me. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is about our community together. And sometimes it's going to take doing those things. And so we are one body in Christ.